Welcome to episode 160 of Sweat Out, Happiness In. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we believe that fitness should be for anybody, everybody, and everybody. Let's get into the show. What is up, Achievers? Episode 160. Nice even number. We've been watching, or we started watching, Stranger Things. Oh my god. And, you know, a lot of people, I, I think it's so good that a lot of people want other people to watch and they're like you know it's not that scary it's not that jumpy it's my brother not too, is like like yeah yeah my brother's such a film and tv buff and he, he lives in la like he works in the industry and he was like it's really not that scary like it's <laughs> trust me trust me it's not that scary and i was like okay he wouldn't lie to me i i hate scary movies i hate scary shows i hate feeling scared in any way <laughs> and Oh my god, everybody lied. It's so scary. <laughs> it, it's it's definitely creepy. And I think it's uh, kind of like a, uh, a compounding effect because there's like subject matter in there with kids and obviously yeah. we're parents. So there's a lot of stuff in there that is just very unsettling and very uncomfortable. Um, and we were also watching... Um, it was a show. It was like the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Oh my! Gosh. And it was a like a four part documentary. Um, you know, chronicling. Well, you can watch it. It's number one on Netflix. But anyway, we've been in on this sort of like little like <laughs> kick of like watching creepy stuff for some reason. And the funny part is, so Lauren hates horror movies, scare movies, but she loves loves real life murder mysteries. <laughs> And I, th- I think a lot of people are actually more in your boat than I really anticipated due to, like, the popularity of murder mysteries on Netflix and, like, w- what's the show? Like, 60 Minutes They're or like, something? Or? No. My mom and I used to watch um, Cro- Chronicle. No, not Chronicle. <laughs> what the heck is this show? There, there's, like, a ton of them out there. I forget. It's like, people love these shows, but then it's, like... Yeah, you you watch a fake show about aliens, and you're like, oh, my God. I know. Well, so I was trying to figure out what the difference is. Obviously, I think for the real-life stuff, like, it is obviously more upsetting. Like, it really happened, and that's obviously very upsetting. But, yeah. like, I, I don't know. For me, I think I'm more interested in, like, the psychology behind, like, what was happening with everybody in the story. And it feels just more like you – it's a story playing out, and they're, like, telling a story in a – usually in a pretty calm way whereas i hate feeling on edge of like something's about to make me jump something's about to pop out like that that feeling i just i just can't stand so i don't really feel like i get that feeling with real life murder mysteries but i do get very sucked into them that's true (laughs) yeah i mean stranger things it it really like it's masterfully done it like just literally puts you on the edge of your seat the whole time and you have no idea what's about to happen and uh yeah but anyway we've watched the first few episodes and Lauren has officially tapped out. She wants me to watch them and then give her the recap. Uh, <laughs> I want the plot. I want I want to understand what's because it's so fascinating. Like I really like where uh, the story is going yeah. but I can't sit through it because it's too scary. I, I was joking that I would just reenact it for her and like jump out and like do all the stuff but at any rate today we're going to be talking about push-ups. A very non-scary topic a very just run-of-the-mill topic <laughs> but a lot of people want to get their first push-up or want to get better at push-ups and we want to give the people what they want <laughs> um so yeah i mean if you've listened to our 
how to get your first pull-up episode, this one is going to have similar themes. They're a little bit different, but a lot of similar themes are going to present themselves. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, optimal technique. We're going to talk about incline settings. We're going to talk about um, how to do push-ups once you're on the floor, and as well as uh, just general assistance lifts that might help out your push-up endeavors. Yeah. But Lauren, do you want to take it away oh. with... Incline push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> you have such your such a host voice host on today. Voice. Um, yeah, so just like we talked about with the band with the pull-ups, that we really just like band-assisted pull-ups because as many different drills and things that are out there, it's the way to get you just doing more pull-ups. And we feel the same way about push-ups. There are lots of assistance drills and lots of ways to get overall stronger in the muscles that you need to perform a push-up, but Ultimately, in order to get better at push-ups, you need to just do more push-ups. And a lot of times, people think the only alternative to doing push-ups on your feet are doing push-ups on your knees. And typically, this is because um, of like group class types of scenarios where you only that's really your only option. If you can't do a push-up on your feet, you pretty much just have to drop down to your knees. And there it's it's not a bad exercise. I feel like it's gotten demonized as like push-ups on your knees are not helpful. And I don't think that that's 100% true. But the reason that we choose to prioritize incline push-ups, which is with your hands elevated, as opposed to kneeling push-ups for the majority of our training when working toward a full push-up is because your body is in that full plank position while you're doing an incline push-up, whereas when you bring your knees down to the floor, it takes away your need to fully stabilize yourself in that plank position, which is such a big component of the push-up. The push-up really requires a lot of core connectivity and strength, and when you drop down to your knees, you just kind of cut out half your body. Um, and so you don't need to focus as much on the core control that it requires. Yeah, like the core control aspect is going to be, for most people, the limiting factor to their push-up. And by taking it out, you're putting it back into what you're already stronger at, which is your upper body. So you're never going to work your way up to an actual full push-up if you're taking away the thing that you actually need to work on, right? right? So I think um, incline push-ups are awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> what we like to do is if you have the, the ability to, we really like to use a squat rack for push-ups um, because there are so many different levels that you can progress to. So you can go from, you know, if if some squat racks are numbered. So let's just say your squat rack goes from one at the top down to 20 at the bottom with each little rung being a different number. You could start at something like a 10, like right in the middle where your kind of your uh, bar is set up maybe at like rib cage height. And each couple weeks after you've been training consistently at that level, you can drop down to an 11. So you just drop down one little notch. It's only a couple inches down and it doesn't feel like this drastic drop. Whereas if you're only using something like a bench and a couple boxes, it's just bigger drops down. Um, and we like to, as you know, with the pull-ups where we talked about going from one band to the next and really making those small incremental increases in difficulty, we really like to do the same thing with the push-up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The squat rack is certainly... Um, going to be your best bet because of those incremental changes. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of people get creative with their sort of um, incline progression. We've seen people do them on, let's say, a table or a countertop of some sort. And then when they feel ready, they just put their feet up on another book. Mm -hmm. So like increasing 
a one book at a time, basically, <laughs> um, as you're going through the workout. So that's one way to kind of get around it because if you go from, let's say, a tabletop down to an ottoman, down to a book, like it, it's just not going to work out because those jumps are so big. Right. Um, but that was kind of a, an interesting take that uh, we saw um, someone do. Yeah. 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 So basically what you're trying to do is just decrease the angle. Would it be increasing the angle? I've never uh, no, been able to do angle, math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> decrease the angle um, that your body is at until you get to um, parallel to the floor. And so you're starting at a greater angle and then slowly, gradually lowering yourself down. And whether that means decreasing your where your hands are or in- increasing where your feet are in order to get that angle closer to parallel is uh, what we're aiming for. Yeah. As far as the starting position goes, uh, Lauren ta- mentioned it before, we like to start people with the bar in line with around the base of the rib cage or the belly button region. Like yeah, it depends somewhere on in there. where you're at yeah, with exactly. the progression. Yeah. Um, but we find that just like pull-ups, we like to start on the easier side. So most people can knock out, let's say, a set of 10 there um, fairly easily. And they're like, well, this isn't really challenging me. I feel this like this is pretty easy. But again, we're following a the same format as the pull-ups where we're going incremental week by week. And it's really important to just go for slow and steady progress rather than jumping to a really challenging height because you've already tapped out your potential gains, right? Right, yeah. So what we want to focus on in those early stages is really nailing your technique when the reps feel very easy so that then you're able to sort of ingrain that good technique into your practice every day. Um, and so what we're thinking about is hand placement, your where how you're holding your body, where your elbows end up going. Um, those are all things that we t- think about when we're doing more focusing on technique. So when we say you're using a squat rack, just to keep it kind of straightforward, we usually say to grip the bar a little bit wider than shoulder width. So just a little bit outside of your shoulder width. And then from there, when you are holding that tall plank position before you even start to lower yourself down, we want to think about your alignment, your just overall body alignment. So oftentimes when people get set up in this position, they tend to be in this anterior pelvic tilt, which means that your your butt's kind of sticking up and you have a little bit of an excessive arch in your lower back. So the first thing we usually prompt is to tuck the pelvis under. So you're thinking about, and we actually have people do this from a standing position first, just to feel what it's like to move your pelvis in different positions. And so we have people stand up, we have them put their hands on their hips, and then we just have them exaggerate that arch position. So really think about sticking your bum out, arching your back, letting your rib cage flare. You'll feel that it just doesn't feel comfortable. And then we just have have you do the the reverse of that and tuck your hips under let your ribs come down until you feel like everything is nice and stacked so your ribs are stacked directly over your hips we don't want to go so far that you end up really tucking and crunching we don't want the reverse effect either we want that sort of neutral position there yeah totally and we definitely find that I think that's going to be the most challenging part, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's really easy on the upper body, the reason why we like to start, again, at that higher level is because we're training your body to maintain that sort of rigid straight line throughout the entirety of the motion. And starting at an easier spot makes it a lot more... comfortable for your body to adopt that position. Yeah, definitely. So once we've found that position, then the goal is to maintain it, like Jason was saying, throughout the push-up. And 
so when you're lowering yourself down into the bar, the next thing one, while you're maintaining your positioning throughout your torso is where your elbows should go. Oftentimes we're, we see people flare their elbows out to the side or if they're more of a yoga type person, they might keep their elbows super, super tight to their body. And so we like to go right in the middle. I feel like it's just our MO is to kind of meet in the middle. <laughs> um, and we think that about 45 degrees um, of flare, of elbow flare is is appropriate. Um, do you want to expand on why that's? Yeah. Where so we go? when you're typically what we see are like what Lauren mentioned before, elbows out really wide. When your elbows are out really wide, it puts your shoulders in a little bit more of a vulnerable position. So it's kind of funny because the classic military push-up test is with elbows at 90 degrees, but that just puts your shoulders in a little bit of a precarious position, puts it at more risk for impingement, so we tend to want to stay away from there. The other extreme that Lauren mentioned was the yoga-style push-up, where elbows are really tucked in tight and the hands are in pretty close. What ends up happening there is that it really requires a ton of internal shoulder rotation, and what we see is that most people don't possess that amount of internal rotation at their shoulder. And what they'll do instead is really round their shoulders forward pretty significantly, actually. And that, in turn, also causes some potential stress to the front of the shoulder that we're trying to avoid as well. So we find that 45 to 50 to 55 degrees, you know, somewhere in that general range, we're not like grabbing our protractors and measuring that out. <laughs> um, but somewhere in the middle is what we're looking for. Yeah. And so a way to do this, if you're someone who tends to be to flare a little bit more, a way to kind of get yourself into a great position and to use your environment to help you uh, get into a good position is to actually think about bending the bar as you start to lower yourself down. So if you're holding on, gripping that barbell tight on the squat rack, thinking about bending it slightly so that your pinkies are kind of going down, that's going to help you just get your elbows set toward or going toward the right position. So if you're just being lax through your hands, the the tendency might be to just let those elbows flare out. So just a slight bend of the bar and then starting to lower yourself down is just going to naturally point your elbows in the right direction. So you don't have to think, are they 45 degrees or are they 90 degrees? Or It's just going to be a little bit more natural. Yeah. And I think the other benefit of bending the bar you know, when we talk about squats or deadlifts, we really talk about rooting through the floor with your feet and gripping the floor and trying to spread the floor apart with your feet. And basically what you're trying to do is whatever point of contact is on the floor, or in this case, the bar, you're really trying to maximize the amount of uh, tension that is going on there to use to your best benefit, right? Mm. And so if you're kind of grabbing the bar in a really relaxed manner, that's not gonna translate over to the rest of your body. So that point of contact, your hands, grab the bar firmly, bend the bar a bit, that's gonna get your shoulders and elbows in a better position, but it's also gonna activate your grip, your forearms, your shoulder stabilizers, and in turn, the rest of your body by kind of having that sort of step-by-step -step process. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, so that's kind of the main, those are the main points for technique. technique. Points, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, as you're going through, you're just making sure that you're bringing, oh, I guess one more thing would be where your body should hit the bar. Oh, yes. So you want to make sure you're getting through a full range of motion. So you do want to try to touch the bar at the bottom. And that's just a good indication that you've gone through the full range of motion before pressing back up. And we want to make sure that you're hitting the bar around your sternum. Yeah, the base um, of your sternum. So we don't want, a lot of times we see people hitting it a little high up on their chest, and that usually indicates that the elbows are flaring out a little bit, or that you're just positioned in a kind of funky place. So your feet might just be too close, and mm -hmm. you might end up hitting a little higher on your chest, or 
I guess it would be the other way around. If you're too close, you're hitting a little too low. If you're too far away, you might hit a little bit too high. Um, so just it helps you to establish your foot positioning as well. And it helps you to make, make sure that at the bottom, you're just hitting some really good angles. Yeah, totally. And that just makes it for better leverage when you're in that sort of position where the bar is at the base of your sternum. You're basically stacking your elbow right on top of your wrist at that bottom position. If you were to just slowly lower yourself down so that the bar touches your upper chest, your elbow is basically too aggressive of an angle and it turns into more of a tricep extension mm. than a true pressing motion that incorporates your chest as well as your shoulders and your triceps. Yeah. For folks who wear sports bras, it's a nice uh, nice place to aim mm. for. So the bottom of your sports bra is a really uh convenient location. Yes, well. definitely. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. So next, let's get into how to, I guess, progress from that incline. So what we were talking about um, with pull-ups is kind of similar to what we talked about with pull-ups, where we're going from maybe um, doing three sets of 10 reps at this, that, let's call it a 10, a level 10 incline for week one and then week two we might do three sets of 11 reps and then week three three sets of 12 reps and then week four maybe we'll drop to four set or we'll go to four sets but drop to eight reps or something like that so we're just always making sure that the overall volume is increasing and then after usually three to four weeks we then drop down to the next level so we start to decrease the angle which makes it more challenging and we restart at the the sets and reps that we started with at the previous angle yeah so definitely check out the pull-up program and you can kind of work something out it's very similar for the the push-up program but yeah. yeah when in doubt always go for the more conservative approach of slowly increasing reps and then slowly increasing sets and then going down one notch rather than just going down one notch every single time you go and try to do a yeah, push-up. Yeah. Um, and then eventually you're going to find yourself very close to the floor. And so once you've maxed out the incline of the the squat rack, it's time to start using the floor. And so there's a couple different ways that we usually do this. Typically, it's still too much of a jump to go from the lowest rung of the squat rack to straight to floor push-ups. And so we like to use um, like a small we, – we have Airx pads, which is just the brand, but like a little – kneeling pad <clears throat> excuse me we can do like yoga blocks too if you want yoga blocks yeah they, they'd be a little higher a little I'd high, say yeah. but put, placing something as sort of like a goal to get down to but that's not all the way to the floor and then getting onto the floor with your hands in position lowering yourself down but just to that pad and pressing back up so it's basically a slightly limited range of motion full body push-up Yes, exactly. And then we would do that on one day. And then on the other day, we would do kneeling push-ups. So like like we said, we don't think that these are a bad exercise. And what's really great about them is that if, you, if you're not quite there with a full body push-up, they do allow you to get that full range of motion in your upper body. So because we're doing a slightly limited range of motion with the push-up to a pad, we don't want to just practice that range of motion because then it'll be challenging to get that bottom, the strength at the bottom. So practicing the kneeling push-up would be a perfect day two. Yeah. So what you want to think about this as is you're kind of starting on either end of the spectrum and meeting yourself in the middle. So mm -hmm. you have push-up to pads that really incorporates the core, but a very limited range of motion. And the kneeling push-up eliminates, wait, did I say that wrong? No, you said it. Okay. Kneeling right, push-up <laughs> eliminates the core, but increases the range of motion. Yeah. And slowly over time, you can hopefully get a significant amount of range of motion as well as a significant amount of core. And that is your standard push-up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and when you're training push-ups, you can definitely train them. Like if your goal is to get a push-up, you can train them pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, with pull-ups, we talked about like making sure that like they're, they're very taxing. So two to three times a week is usually kind of the sweet spot mm-hmm. with pull-ups. But push-ups, we'd say you can definitely train even a little bit more frequently, maybe three to four times a week. Um, but just making sure that you're always keeping in mind that sort of greasing the groove technique where you're not going to failure and you're not making it a max effort, but you're just thinking of it more as a practice. Yeah, yeah. We like to keep in mind, like, think about leaving two to three reps in the tank for each and every set. Um, And that just helps to keep your form fresh. It it helps to keep you feeling fresh throughout your sets as you practice. And it also makes so that your form is looking very solid throughout. Because if you try to push it towards those, if you try to go no reps in a tank, you're doing as many as possible, those last couple reps are going to be a little bit sloppy. And we definitely don't want to encourage that sort of technique. Yeah. Um, and then a couple technique tips for once you get to the floor. One is to spread your fingers apart. This is something that it's like Jason's biggest pet peeve <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. he sees people with their fingers together. But just because it it makes for a less stable base. So if you spread your fingers apart, you have a wider base, which gives you more stability. And when you're doing a push-up, your hands are your main base of support. So you want to create, when you spread out your fingers, you create a bigger base of support, which makes for a stronger push-up. So a very simple thing to do that's actually going to make a pretty big impact impact. Um, And then the other thing is to try to aim for a slight corkscrew as you're lowering yourself down. You've already been practicing this with the barbell where you're bending the bar slightly. Now you have your fingers spread out. You're gripping the floor slightly. You don't want to like overly grip so that your fingers are crunching, but just a slight grip of the floor. And then as you lower yourself down, without moving your hands, you want to think about slightly corkscrewing out. And that's just going to create a little bit of extra tension through your lats. It's going to get your elbows pointed back in a good direction, and it's going to help to initiate that push-up in a nice strong way yeah and that's the the exact same concept as bending the bar when you're doing the push-ups in the squat rack Um, and I think a lot of this can be sort of uh, taken care of if you're not doing push-ups on a yoga mat right I feel like a lot of times people are doing their push-ups in their yoga mat and that makes it so that their hand width is too close their fingers are in tight and they're just in kind of a, a position that is constrained by the width of the yoga mat but think about if you if you want to use the yoga mat, just put your hands on the actual floor, leave your feet and the rest of your body on the yoga mat, but just position your hands in a way that feels comfortable for you. So definitely don't feel confined by that sort of, I don't know, three foot width of the yoga mat to dictate where your hand should go. Yeah. Because you, I, you want to do it for yourself. I tend to even instead of being going the long way on the yoga mat, if you really want to put your hands on the yoga mat, I usually have people um, be like perpendicular to it. Mm, yeah. So their hands are on it, but their feet and body are kind of like fa- away from it. Um, because then you can really, because even if you just go wider than the yoga mat, sometimes that's too wide. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like gives you the freedom to actually find just a little bit outside of shoulder width and just a really comfortable position there. Yes, definitely. Cool. cool. I mean, I think that's it for the push-up itself. Do you want to talk about um, some assistance work that we like to include? Yeah. So we talked about this in the very beginning, but one of the biggest components to push-ups that is often neglected is just the the core connection component. So being able to stay connected throughout your whole torso, and it's sort of this total body tension. Um, and so practicing planks and dead bugs are two core exercises that we think are just really, really useful and really beneficial and have a a huge turnover um, or carryover toward 
push-ups. So planks simply on your elbows or on your hands, whatever feels better. And the main intention being that alignment that we talked about in the beginning. So making sure that your rib cage is is stacked over your hips, that you're not overly arching your back or flaring your rib cage and that everything is really connected. Yeah, totally. Um, and then with dead bugs, it's the opportunity actually to do the same thing, but on your back in a supine position where gravity is not... Um, as much of a challenge as a plank. So in this case, you don't have to fight against the gravitational pull that's trying to get your, pull your hips down toward the floor, pull your ribs out. Um, You actually are on your back and thinking about pressing your ribs down and thinking about getting everything nice and neutral without worrying about gravity. And then from there, you're trying to maintain that position as you reach your arms overhead and your leg out. I, I'm not like describing a dead bug very well, but it's hard. It's, it's, hard. <laughs> it's hard to do verbally. Uh, but basically, you're lying on your back with your arms up toward the ceiling and your knees bent at 90 degrees. And then you can either start with just your legs, where you just lower your heel down to the floor, tap your heel, pull it back in, and then switch sides. And while you're doing that, you're just trying to maintain your positioning. Um, and then you can eventually grab graduate (laughs) to arm and leg at the same time so you would move your right arm overhead as you lower your left heel toward the floor so opposite arm and leg and then you would switch and then over time you can also start extending your arm and leg further out away from your body which increases the challenge yeah and then finally finishing it off like we just definitely recommend incorporating push-ups within the context of an overarching total body strength training program, yes, right? Yeah. And so we like to, um, obviously chest presses, dumbbell presses, barbell bench presses, those are gonna be helpful for a um, you know a push-up training scenario, but even pull-ups, squats, deadlifts, like just training your entire body to work together in unison, that's gonna have some carryover to your push-up, which is working your whole body together in unison, right? And so um, just getting stronger overall can definitely lead to indirect benefits for your push-up in general. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that is about it. I didn't expect that we would be able to talk so long about push-ups, but there's a lot to it. It's like there's a lot to it, and it's really simple at the same time. So hopefully this gave you actually a little bit more of a concrete plan moving forward um, if push-ups is a goal for you and gave you some helpful helpful hips. Hips? (laughs) Helpful hips. Hints and tips. (laughs) Um. It, we are planning on doing a um, a YouTube tutorial on push-ups, so it'll go over all these drills in more of a visual um, format. So if you are more of a visual learner, stay tuned for that. Um, speaking of YouTube, we're actually putting out a ton of content on YouTube these days. Um, and the cool thing that we're doing is we're putting out some follow-along workouts. So there's a timer up on the screen. Um, we're explaining the exercises and then we're actually doing it with you, which is extremely hard. Kudos <laughs> to people like performers who sing and dance and oh, do all man. that all yeah. at the same time. But <laughs> we're like, we're like huffing and puffing through it, <laughs> through the set. So, um, it's, 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 it's kind of a fun new way to, I guess, educate and give content while also working out collectively so yeah. it's, it's pretty fun we're just being relatable by huffing and puffing yeah. we don't want people to think that it's easy for yeah. us or anything <laughs> totally totally we're yeah anyway <laughs> the channel is called jason and Lauren. super super specific and uh super creative but it's called jason and Lauren, and uh you should definitely go check it out yeah um if you have any questions please shoot us a dm on Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston or any topics that you want us to cover on the podcast we're always looking for new topic ideas yes that would be very helpful actually 
Um, and if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes if you found this episode helpful, that would be awesome. And until next time, sweat out. Happy to sit. <laughs>